Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to Unbox Your Gift. I'm your host, Rita Joyan. And today I've got a special guest who, if you've ever wanted to create something, invent something, help a cause, my guest today has done it herself. She was a former school teacher who now has, well, not now at the moment, but for many years now, has created a swimwear label that is aimed at reducing skincare rates around the world for babies and little children. And so, Laura Furiosi, welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Thank you, Rita. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thank you. Now, the first question I want to ask you, because I've, the past week, I've interviewed so many school teachers, but I'm curious to know about yourself, former school teachers. What had you decide, what made you decide to become a school teacher? And then what had you opt out of it? Okay, um, well, I've always loved kids, always loved children. Um, and I, I always, even when I was younger, um, I came from a big family of six. So had lots of brothers and sisters around. Um, so I just always wanted to help out. And um, when I got older, I started babysitting. Um, and over time, I realised, hey, I actually think I want to be a teacher. Um, I, I did tutoring and, yeah, over time I was like, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. So that's kind of where I got to. And it was something that I loved and, you know, I didn't feel like working at uni when I was doing the, the study for it. So, yeah, teaching was kind of my calling. Okay. And then what made you kind of change callings? What made you go on a different path? Well, I had three children, so um, that kind of uh, pulled me out of the game. Um, my first daughter uh, was born really early. I had a very complicated pregnancy and um, I also ha had a chronic illness called endometriosis and fibromyalgia. Um, I just couldn't really work long term standing up in front of a class kind of playground duty. My body's just not designed for that. So I had to kind of think of another way to help kids, I guess. Okay. And so what happened? So you were a school teacher. You have had health challenges. You had three little babies that kind yeah. of away from the focus of teaching because of your health as well. So how did you find this, I guess, this new path of creating a swimwear label for kids? What, what instigated that? Um, well, my first... Uh, child, uh, Isabella. Um, she was a pain in the butt <laughs> when it came to keeping her hat on. And I couldn't find anything back in the, like she's 11 now. Um, but I couldn't find anything back then that was sun safe, you know, long sleeves. My mum had skin cancer um, and I was paranoid about it and she wouldn't keep her hat on. So I was just like, there's got to be a better way. So I wasn't looking to start. I, I mean, I, I did want to start something, but I think it came out of the necessity of me wanting to find something that didn't exist. Um, so, yeah, that's where I came with the idea to clip the hat on at the back so that she couldn't pull it off because she's just a little baby and all the babies pull this way. Right. Clip it on at the back. She won't be able to pull it off. And um, I did it for her and then all these other mums were like, can you make me one? I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then it kind of snowballed from that to the point where we're selling at markets. Um, and then it just got bigger and bigger that way. So it was through people wanting it. And it, for the same reason I wanted it, just something easy and sun safe for little babies. So it really yeah. came out of the idea, came because your daughter was pulling her hat off her head and you just had to, yeah. cre you created a clip so that it could just stick, stay on and so she couldn't. 
you know, that's, yeah. that's, so how did the notion of swimwear come around from hats? Um, because usually she was always, so we live in Queensland, um, so we spend a lot of time at the beach and it was always at the beach and I'd just spend the whole day putting the hat on and it literally just drove me insane. <laughs> so I was like, there's got to be a solution. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty much, because when, when you're in a pram or something, you can cover them up and, you know, I, other times you're kind of in the shade, but when you're at the beach, you're just out in the sun. There's no kind of way to keep that solution working apart from hat on and clipping it on and it actually kind of worked as like a training hat like um in the end she just got so used to it and gave up trying to pull it off that she was just always wanting to wear a hat so yeah that's how it kind of worked okay yeah and that's how it works for other mums Interesting you say you're from Queensland because before the interview, Laura and I were saying, oh, I've got the heater on, she's got the air conditioning on because I'm in cold Canberra. <laughs> talking about the beach, I'm like, oh, this is so not fair. This is not the right time. <laughs> yeah. so, we're still so, swimming. Exactly. So I want to know the fact that you took this big leap of creating. So it was, I guess it wasn't a big leap because it was just trying to solve a problem for your little daughter, Isabella. So, so that. Yeah. But once you realise there is a demand for something like this, once you realise this could, this could expand to more than just my daughter and the kids' school and all that kind of stuff, how, what were the steps? Because if someone's listening to this right now, what are the steps to be able to create something from your mind? Like you have a problem, maybe you have, I don't know, someone's got some invention. What are the pitfalls, what are the challenges it took to really get this into a feasible business? Good question. <laughs> well, I didn't really know what I was doing, so there were a lot of pitfalls. Um, I just kind of had to teach myself everything. Um, but I think as a mum and as a teacher as well, like teachers do, like especially primary school teachers, we do a lot of stuff. Like we have to learn how to do pretty much everything as well. Um, and whenever I didn't know how to do something as a teacher, I would always just go and learn on the internet, or watch a YouTube clip or Google it. Um, so I just, just did the same thing. I was like, all right, how can I get this manufactured and made so I can sell it? And, um, you know, I met these lovely little ladies in the valley who sewed things and I was like, let's do this. And they helped me a little bit. Um, and, you know, we got a concept and the design sorted. Um, and then slowly through that, you know, I learned about the manufacturing process because I was in it. Now that we manufacture overseas in China in big quantities, I still understand the process because I was there from when it was just started. So I understand. So I guess, you know, it's not like you just jump headfirst into, well, I didn't jump headfirst into anything. It was just baby steps. Mm -hmm. And through people, I got people to teach me. I asked for help. I I never did anything on my own if I didn't know what I was doing. I'd be like, find someone who had some experience, go and tag along, be annoying and find out how to do it. Even with the, you know, the bookkeeping, um, all of that kind of stuff, I slowly just step-by-step step learned. And now obviously somebody else does the bookkeeping, but I understand it now when she asks for things, I know what's going on. So it's actually really good to start really small, um, know how to do most things kind of not very well, but at least know how to do it so that when you do expand, you understand what's going on in the other areas of the business. So, yeah, I think I just did a lot of Googling and a lot of asking for help. Yeah. Well, I love that. Yeah. Well, two things I'm taking away at the moment is, number one, as, we, as women have children, 
it changes. The, the, the territory changes in which you're working in, which your, your lifestyle, how you see things change. And second of all, the bite-sized pieces that you took, how did you know, even though maybe the kids' mums at schools wanted the same thing, how did you know this was going to do well on a mass level? I didn't. <laughs> okay, that's honest of you. <laughs> I was hoping. No, look, I guess... I guess if the interest is there, like I did gauge it, I went to a baby show, I did take it to a trade show, um, where there were, as opposed to a market where there's just a small amount of mums, there was thousands and thousands of mums. And, you know, I only sold maybe like 20 swimsuits over the whole weekend, so it didn't do very well because my price was ridiculous because I was making in Australia. Um, but through that, talking to customers and getting feedback from other mums, uh, in through a trade show, through it was like called the Pregnancy Babies and Children's Trade Show. It's a really good one if anyone's in the children's area. Um, I got a lot of feedback, a lot of information about pricing, what they wanted, um, what colours they were interested in. So I got a lot of that, and then took all of that home with me, changed everything a little bit, and yeah, just kept. And I do that every year. I always go back to the trade show. I always get feedback. I always want to hear what the the mums want, like, I mean, because I've been doing this for eight, eight, nine years now. Um, mums have changed. Yeah. So, you know, find out what mums now want, you know, which is different to what mums wanted 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I always am gauging it from other mums, going out there and just saying, hey, what do you think about this? What would you like? You know, so that's kind of how I think it was the trade shows predominantly talking to mums. Okay, I, I love that. No, thank you. Because usually people say you need to do some uh, focus groups and you need to, it's just like, <laughs> oh, did you? And you didn't do any of that, which is refreshing, but you still went out and got feedback from yes. like the expos and festivals. So I want to know in the, yes. the whole journey of, say, eight, nine years you've been doing this, from the mm -hmm. The time that you did the design to how you want the swimwears to be. Uh, well, first of all, before I even get into that question, what's the difference between you've called your company? Uh, I think it's pronounced Rashoots. Rashoots, yeah. Rashoots. Yeah. Now, why that name? So, I'll actually show you. <laughs> We've got because um, it's a little rashy. Mm -hmm. So that's a little rashy, and then it's got the hood. Okay. So the hat clipped on. So it's rash hoods. I mean, it was very hard to come up with a name. <laughs> um, you have to think very long time. And you know, I look at it as maybe Nike, and like no one knows what that really meant. <laughs> so, yeah. work. Um, but you know, it's kicked off. It's okay, oh, I love it. No, like it's all good. So, what makes the brand that you've developed different from all the rest that were available back eight nine years ago when you started this? So, our uh, number one difference is the little attached hat. So, this little clip thing, um, mums just go crazy for it because their kids drive them nuts take their hats off. So, we're the only swimsuit uh, uh, brand that does it. Wow. Um, one brand did try, a big, big company after we came out, um, but we sorted that out. Oh, um, do, you have yes. a patent? do you have a patent on that? Yes, oh, yes. Excellent. So that's always important if you come across something that nobody else has. Uh, you can get a design registration if it's a clothing item or a patent. It's so important. Like mm. um, I do help other mums doing things like this. And if you go and bring something to market and there's those big corporations watching, they watch, they see everything. 
two seconds later you'll find it in Kmart or you know one of the other stores so you've got to make sure you protect your ideas that's so important and I know it seems like a lot of money to put out in the beginning but yeah. if you're serious and you think it's a good idea you've always got to protect your ideas. well what's the ballpark figure to put a painting like what's the cost of that well it's changing and it depends where you want to do it so if you can do it just in Australia or you can do it all over the world oh. um I was helping one lady and she's got this lovely amazing concept um and I was like you need to register this and I think hers if she was going to do it all over the world was going to cost her about eight thousand dollars um but in Australia it's not it's not as expensive if you just do it in Australia but the catch is if you do it in Australia but don't do it in the rest of the world within eight months it's free game to everybody else in all all over the world so you just got to be really clever with and making the right decision what you want to do so with your pain is it uh, worldwide or is it just Australia it's just Australia. <laughs> so they don't do what I did. <laughs> but you can't go back and change it. Like you can't if, if no. you. No, once you miss it, you miss it. So oh. I think my only advantage is we were the first, um, and we're Australian, and our swimmer overseas is respected because they go sun safe, Australian. You know, so even if there are copies out there, it's it's we are the respected. Brand. So that yeah, that's my saving grace. But oh, cool. in I would have gone back and done yeah. it everywhere. <laughs> wow. I didn't know you couldn't go back and just say, so I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I want the world. No, yeah, I know you can't. You can't, which is terribly annoying. <laughs> yeah, actually, I can only imagine because I also read that the swimwear is uh, that you make a uh, fifth is it fifty SPF? UPF 50 plus, yeah. There you yeah. go, yes, that's the right wording for it, yeah. So that's also, so it's got the hood, it's got the 50 plus. Now, in the journey of creating this, which was the biggest, so someone's watching this right now thinking, I have an idea, I'd love to put it to market, I'd like to just see if, if it runs anywhere. What's yeah. the most challenging aspect? Was it the testing in the, of the idea, the finding the fabric? Was it manufacturing? Was it marketing? Was it uh, actually getting and testing it once you had like locks in and testing it on kids if it worked. What's the hardest part about the journey? I, I would say the hardest part is the initial design and getting it manufactured. So, you know, I, there's so many horror stories out there and, and a lot of, like, I'm, I've got a lot of mum business friends who've done designs and things where they've ordered something from China and it's come in a whole shipping container and it's all ruined or all wrong, you know, so oh. that is really the riskiest hardest part um, wow. just just don't rush it you know it took me a year and a half just to get the design right because if you rush it and then you get like a large quantity to sell and it's all wrong you're, you're kind of in trouble so my, mind you most brands have done that mistake anyway um we once had a whole bunch of it come with the no zipper stopper, which was a disaster. Um, but, you know, so it, you've just got to be really careful with the process and always, I always now leave it overnight after I've had a really good think about it. And sometimes in the middle of the night, you wake up and go, oh, I forgot that. Or, you know, so yeah, it's the process from going from your initial design to manufacturing. It's that one step when you finally press the go button, you've got to be 100% sure that it's perfect. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's really mighty advice. But I also know that you also help other people because I know you have another business on, in addition to this parallel to this, I think it's called yeah. Bossy Mummy. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Bossy yeah I, love that. I love that. 
because that's what a business, that business coach is. It's a bossy person who has to tell you what to do. And you're also really Because <laughs> you help people get all these bits together uh, so that you can take them on the road that you've already travelled. Yeah, and look, I really loved the process. Like, I get really excited. I'm very entrepreneurial at heart and I just get a buzz out of it. So, you know, that initial stage where someone's got an idea and they're like, what do we do? And I just I love doing it. And I was doing it anyway. And then I went, hmm, maybe I should yeah. start doing it as well. So it fits in nicely with what I do already. Um, and I just get a real good buzz out of it. And it's, and it's exciting. It's the, that, that phase, the startup phase is the real, you know, exciting phase. It's like going on a roller coaster ride, basically. Imagine, I can imagine. So once you have all the designs ready to go and you're happy and you've pressed the go button and you're just, there's nothing forgotten. How did you in the beginning in those early days, and I don't know how much you would have used social media eight years ago, but how did you start yeah. marketing? How did you expect, because I know you've sold in Japan, you've sold in Australia, you've sold around the world. Yeah. I phoned a lot of people. <laughs> I literally emailed and phoned. I mean, phone calling people kind of think is pretty old school, um, but I've realised it makes you stand out. Yeah. Everybody wants to email. Nobody wants to talk on the phone. Yeah. So if you pick up the phone and have a chat to, I don't know, a buyer of a big department store, they're like, oh, this person actually wants to talk to me. And I found that persistence as well. Obviously, you're not going to be able to call up a store and be like, hey, I've got this amazing product. You need to stock it. They're going to be like, oh, I don't know. Um, I found over time, you've just got to keep calling until they 100% say no. Ah. <laughs> you've just got to be really persistent. But not in like a creepy salesman kind of way, just in a um, I'm going to help you, help your customer kind of way. Um, but that's really, I mean, I did a lot of detective work to get the buyers, um, you know, going on LinkedIn and Googling their names and finding out what the end of their email might be. You know, a lot of sleuthing and I guess it's kind of cheating, but it works. It worked. So, oh, good yeah. on you. And I think the overseas um, businesses, I, I did have to eventually put myself out there and go and do trade shows, so international trade shows. Um, which were fun. Um, so, you know, we got a lot of the international buyers from the Las Vegas trade show uh, called ABC for Kids. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I'm actually going to the China trade show in six weeks and uh, we're selling in China now and it's doing really wow. well. So, Hiding. yeah, so push that. So, yeah, I think trade shows and just calling. You just got to call. Okay. And, it, and, and stores, especially littler stores, boutique stores, they love it if you just walk in and be like, hey, check this out, you know, just some... Oh personal relationship building kind of things. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I just love the fact that, number one, that you call and you're persistent and that you kind of worked around LinkedIn and <laughs> trying to guess the, I love that. <laughs> that's something that I would do because that's why I love it. <laughs> I <guess. Yeah. laughs> but but what, what it's interesting to me is that, because I know you're going all gangbusters and in parallel to this business, you've got your business coaching, um, but I, what I would like to know, how many years were you in or how long were you in before you, start, you started making a profit and you thought this could be sustainable? Yeah, it, it was a fair amount of time. So probably five years. Right. And I think because we grew, we kept growing. So 
every time every time you'd be like yes this is awesome we get like a massive order in yeah um you know so uh selling in china at the moment is our biggest market um and it's bigger than i could imagine there's so many people in china it's amazing um but that kind of pushed us further into marketing and and uh all of the things you have to do for that so every time like i think if i held back and just was comfortable and just stayed in australia we probably would have been making profit a lot quicker but um we were in that growth period and if you are growing then and, and as long as you can kind of survive without making massive profit, that's kind of how it works, what's how it worked for us. Um, so yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a fair while, but uh, in saying that, like in the first couple of years, we're only selling, I only sold hundreds of swimsuits in my first year. So, you know, and, and back then I didn't have any overheads because I did it from my garage and, wow. <laughs> you know, I did it myself and I had no staff. So it's easier to make a profit in the beginning <laughs> like that. Um, but then as you keep growing, you kind of have to put in the hard yards with marketing. Yeah. Because yeah. I find that really refreshing, Laura, because to say that it took you five years, I think it's so honest and I think it's so real and raw because a lot of the times that I meet people, uh, there's this three-year magic number because there's a statistic that says if you don't make it in three years in your business, then, you know, you're not going to make it or you're going too slow. Yeah. Within three yeah. years, shut office, right? But yeah. it's yeah. so refreshing that you have stood by it and just, you know, but what made you stick by it? Like, did you just love it? Did you just not want to go I back? Did, I did. Well, look, I was working from home with my kids anyway. So, I, you know, I was looking after the girls. I have three daughters. Um, so I was doing that as well. And I thought to myself, look, if this doesn't work out and the girls are all at school, then I'll pack it up or mm -hmm. sell it to someone. But um, this, this idea of instant success, overnight success, it doesn't, it's not real. Like every business person I've seen who's succeeded, they have struggled for years. And even some businesses that have already achieved amazing things, they still have struggle years. You know, every business goes through their ups and downs. And I, ha I really don't like it when you see, you know, on Instagram and stuff, these, like, they just think that these people become instantly successful and it's not how it is it's mm -hmm. a lot of hard work and it's a lot of heartache and it's a lot of self-doubt um yeah. but I was very passionate about um providing the sun safety for children and I didn't want to give it up because it's your baby so mm -hmm. I'm glad I did give it up um you know and and I'll probably sell it in a year or two maybe um and go on to my next adventure but um I just yeah I think the people that say they're you know, they're successful straight away. You're just going to be like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. But I also think that there is a culture at the moment on social media where there's a lot of programs that say how I made seven figures in seven weeks and how I... Yeah. That kind of, I find, is because behind, if you draw back the curtain, there's a lot that happened in that person's world to, you know, they spent X amount of hours before that over so many years building up this skill that, you know, kind of just came, you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of a culture yeah. online that I find yeah. that we get swept under and we think, oh, well, if they can do it in seven weeks or seven months, having seven figures, well, then it mustn't be that hard. And if you don't make yes. it yourself. And then it, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's definitely a mission of mine when I do public speaking and things to be like, hey, you got to put the hard yards in. It's not going to happen overnight. And I think that realism helps people because otherwise they do. They go, oh, I've, well, it's not working after seven weeks. I'm going to quit. And you're like, no, <laughs> don't quit. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. But you mentioned something really wonderful just now is that you may be selling in one to two years' time to do the next thing. Do you know what the next step is for you? Well, I've kind of already started it. Um, so <laughs> through my, through my uh, business coaching, uh, a lot of my customers who've got, you know, kind of just past startup or just starting up when they can't do the picking and packing themselves anymore, which is where I was at a while back and I was doing it out of my house and I'm like, oh, I don't have time to do this. I need to be focusing on my business. Um, we now offer that service to some of our customers where we do the picking and packing. So I was doing the warehouse for my own swimwear brand anyway. Um, so now we're doing it for other brands as well. And it's been very successful. It ties in nicely with the Bossy Mummy business coaching. Um, and I really enjoy it. So I, I probably maybe will let go of rashes, uh, but it'll take some therapy to let it go. But yes. <laughs> so, <we're, laughs> so yeah, we're doing um, third party logistics. It's what, what it's called. It's, um, we've called it squad and it's run by all women. Um, and you know, we hire mums and, and uh, lovely talented women to take real care of sending out packages. And um, it's different from the big third party logistic companies where you're just a faceless brand and they've, they don't take care of you. So, yeah, we're trying to offer that boutique experience. So, yeah, that's that's my next step, I think. Well, you yeah. really are an entrepreneur at heart. I don't know how you did teaching, being in red, under red tape, and you don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very curious to know, Laura, because you've got a mummy of three beautiful little girls. Yeah. But how did she, how do you find, because people are going to ask you this, how does she find the time to run a business? Yeah. Like three businesses, really. You've got three businesses running and be a mum and be a wife. And, yep. maybe, you know, how do you do all of that? Um, well, I have kind of created a routine. So I drop the girls off at work, uh, at school um, in the morning at nine or just before nine. Get to work by about 9.30. Um, usually before then in the morning, I've done a lot of work on my laptop, checked all my emails um, before the girls get up. And then once I've dropped them off, go to work. I work until 2.30, drive back to pick them up from school, take them home, do all the after-school curriculum activities. Uh, most of the time while they're doing that, I'm working on my phone or my laptop. And then when I get them home, cook dinner, put them to bed, and then sometimes probably do a little bit more work. So, it, look, it's a bit full on. Okay. But it, I do. I take Fridays off. So okay. I don't work on Fridays. Sometimes I try really hard to take Fridays off so I don't have a massive meltdown because, um, you know, self-care is important. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's actually worked better. Working for myself, I've been able to, you know, go to, you know, choir rehearsals and watch the girls do their performances. And um, I try really hard to make sure that they are my main focus. And I, I want them to see what I do as well. So sometimes they will come along and help out. Mm. Um, because I want them to grow up and be like, I can do this. And my mum did. My mum ran a, a family law firm um, for when I was little, and she was one of the first females to have her female name on a on a, a practice. And everyone was like, you can't call it a female name. And mum was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And I was watching mum going, I can I can do whatever I like because <laughs> mum can do. Wow. So I want my daughters to to feel the same way. But also, it's hard, but you can do it. You just have to work different hours. Really. That's, how old are your girls? 
Uh, I've got a, a Isabella's nearly 11. She turns 11 next week. And Sophia's nine and Priscilla's seven. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. All right. Okay. Because I'm just thinking, I always find mothers incredibly inspiring because there's a lot of juggling. Everyone does juggling, but mothers do the best juggling of all. <laughs> they are pro. Yeah. <laughs> they go pro at a different level. And any parent, fathers inclusive of that, that really take the time and spend a lot with their kids. And so mm. the, what I'm reading from you, what I'm getting from you is just having an established routine, really. Yes. Oh, it's a very tight ship in our house. It's yeah. very tight. Oh, my. <laughs> very Do you get time with your husband? Sorry? Do you get much time with your husband? Um, yeah, yeah. We, well, I take Fridays off and, you know, we, we have weekends together. So, and I see him afterwards. He's usually working anyway. So, yeah, no, it, it works really well. And, I mean, it sounds full-on, but I don't know. It seems to work. My girls are really good. And I think it's because they've grown up with it. You know, they know what's going on and what time we do things. And like I said, we've got a pretty tight schedule. Um, and, and now they're, they're telling me what time it is and what time we're meant to be doing things. I love that. Well, I just want to say, Laura, thank you so, so much for sharing the insights of having an idea and bring it to fruition and not just bring it to fruition, but just like trailblazing and then starting... Oh. Other, seriously, and I, you know, this is what the, the expression you just gave me is if, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know what the one you're talking to. It's like commonality with all women. Right? You're talking to me and you think oh, I'm doing good. <laughs> I hope you can see that in ourselves because we're in our own world and we're kind of like looking at it. But from anyone looking at you, you're an inspiration because you're a mum, oh. you're free, you've created a, you've created, invented something that has solved a huge problem. You're lowering skin cancer rates because kids have to be safe. And I think that's a testament to the gift that you are. And so thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And genuinely, thank you so much because I know I'm totally inspired after listening to you. And the fact that you just, you don't stop. I mean, stop as in you just find the next thing that's going to elevate you. And not just being busy for the sake of it, but you're yeah, yeah. something I'm passionate about. It, yeah. it inspires me. Otherwise, I'd be, probably be bored. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I was just commenting yeah. when we started the interview that behind Laura are these beautiful clipboards of you know wisdom of sayings. And what because I've got um, in my office, I've got my sayings and quotes, but I haven't decorated them as beautifully as you have. <laughs> I'm looking at that going. Oh, really? Yeah, those are so pretty. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I, I need to be more decorative in what I'm doing. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. They're just printouts from, from the computer. <laughs> How have you got them up? How have you actually got them? Are they screwed on? Are they blue tacked on? Those 3M hooks. Oh, you know, little oh hooks. of course. Of I'm course. not a handy. I'm not handy with tools, so no, plastic hooks is how I roll. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, guys, and we'll catch you next time on Unbox Your Gift.